This is Jason Albert, and you're listening to the Nordic Nation podcast from Faster Skier. Here's a notice. This podcast is now on iTunes. You can go there now, multitask a bit, and subscribe to the Nordic Nation podcast if you have iTunes on your desktop or have the Apple podcast app on your phone. This episode of Nordic Nation is the second of our two-part biathlon series. In part one, we heard from Canadian National Biathlon team member Rosanna Crawford as she discussed some of the sports basics, things like race formats and shooting strategy. In this part, we'll check in with U.S. Biathlon team member Claire Egan. Egan is based out of Lake Placid, New York, and happens to live with a musician. Hi. Oh, hey, Claire. Can you hear some music playing or no? I hear a little bit of mandolin. Egan has a cool story. Hers was a circuitous route to the international stage. It wasn't through a ski academy, high power high school team, or junior national podiums. In fact, she didn't ski at a division one school. From Egan, we'll get their perspective on what it's like coming to biathlon a bit green in terms of the shooting and how she's making a good go of it. For biathlon purists out there, she didn't pick up a rifle until the age of 25. Uh, It sounds like you're 28 right now and you came to biathlon a little late. Well, not too late though. Sorry to frame it that way, but not too late. (laughs) I did come to biathlon late, but definitely not too late. Um, I was a cross-country skier starting in eighth grade, and I competed for my public main high school team and went to JNs my senior year, but I didn't have quite enough interest or ability maybe to continue on to Division One in college, so I I chose to go to a, to Wellesley College where I did some skiing on my own. I started a ski club there, and I also ran Division Three. But my senior year at Wellesley, I competed in the NCAA Regional Championship and qualified for NCAAs for Division One. And after that experience and after racing in NCAAs, I, I decided I wanted to get more seriously into skiing. And since I had spent my whole junior year at Wellesley abroad, I had an extra year of eligibility, which I was able to use at the University of New Hampshire, both as a runner and a skier. And that was my stepping stone to the Craftsbury Green Racing Project, where I then actually committed to training for cross-country skiing for the first time, because I had previously always run cross-country in the fall. So that was a huge change for me to start roller skiing and really turning up the kind of volume that only cross-country skiers and not runners are accustomed to. And I spent two years in Craftsbury before I started doing biathlon. My third year in Craftsbury, I started doing some biathlon with a regional U.S. biathlon development coach named Algis Shelna, who's based in Burlington, And he works mostly with high school skiers, but is certainly willing to coach other skiers who are interested in learning the sport. And so I was lucky enough 
to work with him on the side of my green racing project coaching and and racing that I was still doing. And from there, I was invited to be part of the U.S. Biathlon Development Group. So I spent the next year, my fourth year after UNH, splitting my time between Craftsbury and Lake Placid. And that's when I first got on a true biathlon training plan, true biathlon focus, was shooting nearly every day in addition to my ski training. Um, and I went to my first World Cups in the second half of that winter. Following that season, I was nominated to the A-team, and that was last last year. I spent my first full year living full-time in Lake Placid at the Olympic Training Center, did the full World, World Cup season, and now I'm here again. What prompted you to like pick a rifle up? I was inspired by the success of my teammates, Hannah Dreisegecker and Susan Dunkley, who both started out with the GRP, and Susan continues to be based in Craftsbury, despite being a biathlete on the national A-team. Susan and Hannah were both teammates of mine, and I understood that I could do the work that they were doing, and it wasn't anything impossible. And I saw them having success on the World Cup and going to the 2014 Olympics in Sochi, and I knew that I could do that too. Bathlon is dependent on being a good shot. And I suppose to make it up through even just the domestic ranks, you have to have an aptitude. How did you go about your training to acquire that aptitude in such a short amount of time? I think aptitude is a factor in some parts of shooting, but it's also very dependent on hard work. And in my view, it's dependent on having a good teacher. And I was lucky enough to have a very good teacher. When August taught me the basics of shooting, it was totally foreign to me. I had shot a rifle when I was 11 or 12 at summer camp, but essentially I had no experience with firearms. And he taught me the basics in a way that I understood and internalized. And especially in prone shooting where you're lying down, I think that made a huge difference. Prone shooting relies on setting up a position so that your natural point of aim is on the target. And natural point of aim is a vocabulary word that you learn when you do your first day at the range. And it means that if you were to fall asleep while you were lying down on the shooting mat and then somehow pull the trigger, you would be on the target and have a hit. And so the idea is that you cannot rely in a race situation on your arm muscles or your leg muscles or your fingers. You can't rely on any of that to point you at the target. 
we're talking about a target that is the size of a golf ball. It's 50 meters away. And so one millimeter of muscle movement becomes 50 millimeters of movement across the target. And so you can't rely on your muscles. And what you have to rely on is the stillness of being relaxed. And so my lesson number one from Algus was do not try to hit the target. And I thought that was so fantastic because it's so true. You cannot, you cannot try to move your sight onto the target. You have to align your body in such a way that when you don't try, when everything is relaxed, all you have to do is pull your trigger finger and the bullet will go right into the target. I mean, it, so- it sounds like... Gosh, I'm I'm real. I'm kind of grasping for the right words. It's like Zen, <laughs> Zen, and the art of biathlon. Yeah, so I mean, it really does. It sounds like chill out, and the bullseye will come. I suppose absolutely, and that that's the key. And with standing shooting, the same principle is there. You need to have your body positioned in such a way that you're not forcing yourself onto the target. You're not going to have tension. However, if you picture the standing position, you cannot relax as much as you can when you're lying down on a mat. And so the barrel movement relies much more on how steady your hold is. And some people certainly have a better aptitude for picking up the rifle and being able to hold it on the target. And that is not something I was able to do with confidence until this summer. So three years into biathlon, I am able to point the rifle at the target in the standing position. And that is from a lot of work. And there are no secrets to to that, just like there are no secrets to getting faster on cross-country skis. You have to put in the work and be patient. And that is the one thing about coming into this sport late is that I'm acutely aware that my shooting ability is so far behind my skiing ability and it will never catch up. I will peak as a cross-country skier well before I have an opportunity to do my best shooting performances. So those people who get a, a young start, they're certainly on an advantage. However, I have still hit all my targets in a race before. I don't do it every day, but I can do it. And that's one of the great things about biathlon. This whole idea of brain plasticity. In terms of the standing position, is that why it requires more sort of hardwiring that develops over time than, say, prone? I would start by saying that my experience was that I had to do more work to improve my hold in standing and that I was better, quicker at prone. But that's not true for everyone. Prone shooting and standing shooting, any kind of shooting, all require a significant amount of work and practice. And certainly if you get started at a really young age, you're at an advantage both because you can learn more easily because you have so much uh, brain plasticity, but also because you have time to cement what you're learning. On the one hand... If you start younger, you have, of course, it's just like skiing. You're going to get better and better, um, and even perhaps more so than skiing because there's really no point at which your body's going to become worse at shooting. I mean, you'd have to be very old for that to happen. 
But that doesn't mean that in your first year of biathlon, you can't hit all 10 targets. I mean, people do that all the time. So that is what's so great about about biathlon is that we older skiers do have a chance to take up this sport in our 20s and be very successful at it. Whereas with skiing, in your first year ever of cross-country skiing, you're not just going to pop out a, a World Cup ready time. But in your first bi- year of biathlon, you can pop out a World Cup shooting performance. It's not. It's just the consistency. People who train really hard for longer periods of time are able to do that consistently. And that's what you see when you watch the World Cup and you see who's winning the World Cup overall. They're shooting over 90% average and they're skiing at top World Cup speed. From the outset for you, did your coach have you throw in the mix of heart rates or were you really truly learning the mechanics from like a static, you know, just a resting uh, heart rate position? Of course, my first few days with a rifle, I was not doing any high heart rate shooting. And that's mostly because I hadn't bothered to learn the range procedure yet. And range procedure is putting the rifle on and off your back, which is a whole skill in itself. So I was purely learning the positions from a, a static starting point. But certainly as soon as I could figure out how to get the rifle on and off my back, I did a race. And so there was no holding back in this in that sense and the way our training works now is for the first few months of the year when you're doing for example more base training for skiing and level one skiing that's when we do a lot more of our low heart rate resting heart rate shooting and then as the summer goes on and into the fall that's where we'll add in what we call a combo training where you're skiing and shooting and shooting with intensity. I'm assuming that from your skiing background, you sort of had, you know, you knew what it took psychologically to push yourself physically, you know, doing a ski loop. What did you have to learn and what were some of the things afforded you in terms of sports psychology to build on the shooting side of things? When I learned to shoot and I started doing biathlon, I did not expect the difference in psychology that racing would require. And I had to learn a whole new set of mental and psychological parameters by which to evaluate my performance and to do my race. Um, I think especially if you're coming to shooting as a successful cross-country skier, number one, you haven't experienced like major, major race failure very often, if at all, and certainly not for a long time. And so when you start doing biathlon and you are missing nine out of 10 of your targets, that feels a lot like major failure. And it takes a lot to be patient and to understand that it's just part of the learning process and that some days you'll hit more and some days you'll hit less and at the beginning it's a lot of luck and you just have to keep practicing. I think one thing that a lot of skiers can relate to is that at some point in your 
in your skiing career or your in whatever your endurance sport is, running, swimming, you learn to try your best and you really internalize the truth that if you try your best, you're going to be satisfied. And when I started doing biathlon, somehow all of that went out the window because if I had tried my best, but I still missed a ton of targets and came in last, I was not satisfied. So I had to learn a new way by which to evaluate my performance. And for shooting, it's all about having process goals and evaluating how you carried out those process goals. So for example, I'm going to do a really good follow through on my trigger squeeze and then finishing the race and saying, wow, I did a great job on nine out of 10 of those shots. I had a great follow through and being satisfied with that. And that is so hard. It's so hard when you're in a trial situation and you're missing all your targets. Uh, It's so hard when you're at the World Cup and you're missing one too many targets and missing out on the next day pursuit race. But it's totally crucial to A, having a good performance uh, and B, not going crazy. And I think that that's, it's such a huge change from cross-country skiing that people probably don't realize. But Certainly trying hard to hit the target doesn't work. I mean, that was my lesson number one. Do not try to hit the target. So in the middle of the race, you're going from the ultimate try, you know, you're just pushing as hard as you possibly can to the opposite, the sitting back and relying on motor memory and all the repetition that you've done to just hit the target. Uh, And then you have to switch back into trying again. Tell me a little bit about shooting speed and what that means. There's, of course, two components of biathlon, shooting and skiing. And so when you look at your results, you understand that your result is based on your ski speed plus how many targets you've hit. But there's one other important factor, and that's your shooting speed. And the best World Cup biathletes arrive at their shooting point, take their rifles off, shoot five targets, and leave in 20 seconds, which is a phenomenal thing to observe. I mean, they look like they're racing into the finish line of a race. And then to do that in 20 seconds and leave is, it's truly remarkable uh, and something that I'm not able to do yet. There are a lot of athletes, however, that shoot in the high 20s, low 30s. 30, I would say, is around average. And then new biathletes like me, I had some 40-second shooting times last year, which I'm hoping to eliminate for this year. Um, But If you do the math on that, let's say I shoot in 35 seconds and the fastest woman is shooting in 20 seconds and it's a four-stage race, that's a minute of time that that fastest shooter woman is putting on me over the course of the race, which in a competitive ski field, I'm almost certainly not going to be able to make up. So that's a, it's a, it's the third component. It's definitely a smaller component than your ski speed or your percent of hits, but it is important. I mean, each target, if you miss it, the penalty loop takes around 25 seconds. And if you're doing the race format that's called the individual, it's our longest race, then you don't even do penalty loops. You just get a one-minute time penalty added for each miss. So those are huge penalties 
compared to what you might lose on just ski speed or at the range. But certainly the, the range time is hugely important. And that's something that takes a lot of practice to figure out how to get your rifle off your back faster or how to get onto the target and steady faster. And uh, remember, you're doing this when you're out of breath. So how to fit in those breaths, that's, that's, uh, that's something that true shooting experts you can really differentiate between the experts and the and the newbies on their on their shooting speed well awesome yeah happy to talk about it so if you need anything else just let me know thanks very much thanks for listening to the nordic nation podcast from faster skier as i mentioned at the start we are live on itunes And you probably already know the promotional drill, but we would love for you to subscribe to Nordic Nation and leave a rating on the iTunes page. All that helps us in the long run produce better audio content. Lastly, we'll be back soon before the start of the World Cup season with an episode featuring the Noah Hoffman Fantasy Cross Country League. Okay, thanks.